Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Today's special guest is the director of MoDOT, Patrick McKenna. Patrick, thanks for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome, Len. Pleased to uh, join you with us. And I know that uh, recently you got some very great news about a project that you've been working on for quite a bit of time, that being the InfraGrant for the Missouri Department of Transportation and some projects around the state. So I don't know that anybody listening really understands or can comprehend all the background of all the work that went into this InfraGrant, both in preparation and the deliberations over approval and the approval process and where it goes forward. So maybe I'd ask you to just talk through all those different phases. Absolutely. We, we um, appreciate the, the question. First of all, we just, uh, I, I would say that, you know, when you have a good day like, like yesterday, when the secretary of the USDOT calls the governor of the state of Missouri and says you're, you're going to get an $81 million, $81.2 million federal grant to, to help you take care of a national transportation priority on the freight corridor of I-70, like the Rochefort Bridge, that's a really good day. And that, that really does back into a lot of uh, support and a lot of work and a lot of uh, effort by a lot of people. And it really starts, I, I think, with Governor Parson, the way he has made infrastructure a focus of his tenure, just brief tenure, and, and what, a, what a tenure it's been so far. His program of uh, focusing on bridges put us in a position to be really competitive on this grant. Uh, this is not the first time we've submitted it, but this is the first time we've been successful with it. And uh, that leadership, and then the, by extension, the work that the General Assembly in Missouri did this past year, as well as the congressional delegation, Senator Blunt, personally went into this in great detail on a number of occasions. Senator Hawley certainly added into that. Congressman Graves, Hartzler, and really our entire delegation put their shoulder into this because they understand how important this is to Missouri. And I'd, and I'd also say that our, our partners like the AGC of Missouri calls and letters and questions answered, uh, issues of support. It really takes that entire state apparatus from the the government agency, the political leadership, the private partners all working in conjunction. And I think we presented that way very much to the USDOT. Uh, they knew how important this was to Missouri and their response is just incredible. You know, we, we um, in this award, uh, Missouri is actually receiving about 9% of the total of available funding for the nation. That's pretty that significant. way beyond our per capita share. And, and that's a really important consideration. And you said you've submitted this a couple times in the past and were unsuccessful. And now this time, finally, it happened. 
Exactly. You know, you, you learn from each round. Each round has a little bit. These are discretionary grants. They have a particular focus about them. The carry-on that we've had that's been consistent in our applications has been the Roachport Bridge. And, and really, that does become a, a key pinch point on the National Freight Network. Each of these have, in one way or another, had as the center point of the application the Roachport Bridge. So the the fact that we're looking particularly with this round of infra on impacts to the national highway system, particularly freight corridors, we have, in addition to the Roachport Bridge, we, we also have included in this, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be constructing climbing lanes at Mineola Hill. That's going to be a great and welcome uh, addition to our, our freight network as our partners moving uh, goods throughout the, through the state are going to be pretty happy to have that climbing lane so that the passenger cars can, can uh, get past them on, on one of the significant climbs uh, and grades on this infrastructure. So, you know, the, the freight network is going to work more efficiently uh, because of that improvement. And then we're going to retain our capacity because we'll be able to, we'll be able to build roach ports side by side and get the remaining useful life out of the existing structure uh, and not have the impact to traffic uh, that had been projected if we were going to do a major re- rehab of, uh, of the uh, Roachport Bridge. So now that the application has been approved and we're ready to go, what does ready to go mean? What sort of timeline are we looking at from the end of July 2019 going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, uh, as you know, uh, in the industry, this triggers our development efforts. Uh, and a major river crossing, this is a 3,018-foot bridge over a major river. We have environmental permitting to secure. We have uh, design work to get underway. Uh, we have utility and right-of-way impacts to, to flush out. And then you actually have to construct the bridge. So uh, it's interesting how, you know, the financial planning is really kind of, it, it has to precede a lot of that. So we have to have certainty. That's one of the reasons why we talk about funding for infrastructure on a long term basis at the federal level so that we have that certainty to do this type of planning and know that that work that we put in and the expense that we go through will produce a construction project at the end of it rather than just a a bunch of plans that that never get carried out. So that's a difficult piece. Um, But for us, we were operating on a dual track, meaning we have such a complicated job If we were not successful here, we were going to have to move quickly into rehabilitation because of the duration and complexity of that. So we were running a dual track with the public process where we were actually even having public meetings uh, starting last week, this week, and and, uh, into next month for what the impact would be if we rehabilitated the bridge. With our ability now to move off that track, effectively what we did is just what your your grandmother told you uh, when you were a kid, which was to uh, hope for the best and plan for the worst. That's what we were doing. We were we were planning for the possibility that we would have to rehabilitate the bridge. We couldn't put our heads in the sand and not plan for that. Um, but now we can redirect those efforts toward uh, the development of a replacement. We have to put the full... Um, 
additional uh, efforts to complete the financial plan in place. We'll have to go through uh, a couple months of commission process with that. We'll have to get that um, all approved and, and worked up with the uh, administration, with the governor, uh, get that sanctioned by uh, legislative leadership so that we can move on. But then what you can expect is that those development efforts will take some time. And uh, that's just the way these uh, complicated projects work. We do not anticipate construction to be underway until at earliest 2021, calendar 2021. That's what we're targeting, and that's uh, right along the development path that we needed. Uh, we believe we have and will have the useful life of the existing bridge during that period of time. We may have some impacts on occasion, as we have in the last couple of years, where because of the age and use of the bridge, occasionally we have to make some repairs on it to make sure that it's uh, safe for travel, and we'll continue to do that as necessary. Now, this financial plan has really three pieces to it. You've got the $81.2 million from this infra grant. You have the authorization from the legislature for the bond issuance, and then you have your normal revenue that comes from fuel taxes and registration fees and those other things. So you've got to really figure out how to segment those three pieces of the pie to pull this all together. And that's the financial planning you're talking about? That is. And, uh, you know, when we when we actually look at it, that was a good way of describing it. You did a much better job than I usually do, because <laughs> I will normally go to the 19 sub pieces of each one of those um, and then fail to just recognize that these are the, the main buckets that we deal with. We deal with this is top line federal money. This is a huge deal. This was not part of our allocated federal funds. Uh, of course, we have state funds that go into this. And uh, certainly we've got financial mechanisms uh, uh, that will come into play and be triggered as a result of this, uh, that it is going to trigger um, a significant additional work statewide. And that's really where Governor Parson and his plan, um, him thinking this through even before his first State of the State address last year, this is re really where the rubber hits the road. We, um, he said that even with a public rejection of Prop D, we had a serious problem to fund and invest in our infrastructure. And he just was determined that we were going to make progress in this regard. And, and that's exactly what's happening. And it's playing out, I, I would say, very, very much on track with his plan. And when do you expect to see the issuance of those bonds, that bonding that's been approved? When is that going to move forward? Any thoughts? We are um, working now because we're in partnership on that with the Office of Administration because uh, that will be general revenue that will pay the debt service on those bonds as was authorized by Senate Concurrent Resolution 14. So we're hopeful that we can put the um, pieces of this financial plan in place and then trigger that uh, hopefully as early as this fall, get it done um, and get rolling on that so that when we do our financial planning through the commission, typical program and annual update of our STIP, we'll have our financial plan for that uh, ready for January of 2020. That's critical. That's a critical date for us with commission approval. Uh, then we would go through the allocation of resources to each of the MoDOT districts that we go through in February. And then that provides the resources that our planning partners work with to determine project priorities and then come back around. So the, the bonding trigger uh, will, will 
complete the governor's $350 million bridge bond program, which the legislature actually bifurcated, if you will. They, they provided through the budget in 2020, which started July 1, they provided $50 million to get started on the governor's bridge program. We've actually, uh, we anticipated that that would be about 35 bridges. We've now, uh, through the way we've done final estimates and have packaged some of these together, we're actually, we believe we're going to get about 45 bridges out of that. And we're actually going to go to contract on the first 14 of those at the commission meeting uh, in uh, the first week of September of this year. And we'll have all 45 of those bridges under contract by the end of this calendar year. Uh, We're confident in that. Uh, We're working, our team's working really hard on it. So the work is already underway and we're actually putting it out for bid so um, so that the industry that builds these bridges can plan and benefit from the work can can plan for their teams and equipment and be ready for that, and that we get those improvements out all over the state as quickly as possible. Now, the second piece of that is triggered, that bonding mechanism for the additional $301 million. Uh, should we be able to get that done this fall? And, you know, accessing the capital markets, uh, we have a lot of work to do to get rating agencies on board and get all of the, the issuance graded and, and uh, you know, not to get into the details, but there's, there's a, a little bit to do there as well. Uh, but we intend to do that with dispatch uh, because we want this all layered in so that it's available for distribution through the next uh, commission statewide transportation improvement process that starts in January of uh, 2020. The additional benefit that I, I think people might forget is that with the governor's plan, because he selected a subset of bridges that were in our current statewide transportation improvement plan, the best benefit of that of all is that, you know, a lot of these minor bridges or smaller bridges throughout the state that are getting worked on get speed of delivery. And then the reallocation of funds, because $350 million will go into that planning process next year and be reallocated. St. Louis, for instance, will draw about $120 million of additional resource so that the East-West Gateway can work on their unfunded project list and make some progress there and their priorities. If you go to the other side of the state and consider Kansas City, they'll draw about, uh, in total, about $72 million there um, when you combine the $50 million plus the 301 that will come from the, the additional bonding mechanism. That will be um, in good news for Kansas City. We believe that really puts us over the edge, the final piece of the puzzle for funding the Buck O'Neill Bridge. Um, And that's certainly been uh, drawn the attention of the city. They've brought resources to bear to cost share on that. And this will be the final piece that will help us get that done. So this is not all about the Rocheport Bridge. This has ripple effects across the state. This will hit throughout the state, the reallocation of resources uh, will occur. The The beauty of the, the governor's plan is he understood the mechanisms that are already underway uh, with the planning process. He really favored the planning process. Um, you know, these are People don't understand there are about 1,200 volunteers all over the state that that participate in transportation advisory committees, and those um, inform our regional planning commissions and metropolitan planning organizations, and that's where project prioritization occurs. It's in the it's in the communities we serve. Well, congratulations! I know that getting a award like that from the federal government that is basically above and beyond what we would expect to get is really an accomplishment on a lot of people's parts. So 
congratulations. Hats it, off it, to you. Thank you, Len. It's it's really it's it's a it's a true. You know, we I, I described it a couple of weeks ago as you know we were hanging by a shoestring and we threw a hail mary, and here we are today where that the uh, the pass was caught, and uh, now we're climbing up the shoestring and we're going to tie the shoe. Uh, it's how how amazing is that? We're we're thrilled. Um, our problem now is problem of execution, and we're up to that task. And the team is busy at work, and we're just thrilled to be able to be in a position where we can put this critical work out for our private partners to bid on and to get to work and and to make these critical improvements for for all of Missouri. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO in the iTunes Store or on Google Play. As always, you can visit us at agcmo.org for additional downloads and information. Thank you.